you can establish yourself as the expert practitioner and actually be useful and guide the buyer through their buyer's journey, naturally, you're going to become the one that they're going to come to and, and lean on when it's time to make a buying decision. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how sales teams can provide value and insight and drive larger sales pipelines by sharing their expertise through targeted content. It's an area I see many reps struggle with. What do I share and when or how? Should it be my own or from a company, from the company I work for, or from a third party? To help us tackle the topic, we have with us Joe Sullivan, co-founder of St. Louis-based industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Joe, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Chad. Thanks for having me. So you know the drill before we jump in. We like to talk about something that's a little offbeat. So something that you're passionate about that those who know you largely through work may be surprised to learn about you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking this is always one of the, the tougher questions to get thrown at you. I could talk all day about, about my business and, and you know, the, the insights that, that we share, but you know, I wish I could tell you that in my spare time, I go hang gliding or race <laughs> motorcycles or something, but the truth is I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old at, at home right now, and they're kind of my life. So you know, I, I kind of everything sort of revolves around them outside of work right now. I do, do my best to get home for dinner every, every night and, and uh, get my overflow work done in the wee hours on the weekends before they're up, but trying to soak up the time I can with them before they um, you know, don't want to hang out with me anymore. So <laughs> right, before you're not my, cool anymore. <laughs> that's my authentic <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, no, and I appreciate that. I, I, um, I have two 11-year-olds, twin boys uh, oh, wow. that I'm a stepfather to, and uh, I am learning just how fast they decide you're not cool. <laughs> I imagine that's probably the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very been very uh, educational. Let's say that. So yeah. All right. So let's talk about uh, Gorilla Seventy Six. I I have to know where where did the name come from? Yeah, I can never escape a, a conversation without getting asked that question. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my my business partner John and I we founded our our agency back in July of two thousand six, seventh month of 06, which is where the seventy six comes from. Gorilla comes from um, sort of the other spelling of gorilla, the idea of gorilla marketing. You know, we were a couple of probably stupid 23-year-olds who thought we could start a company and, um, <laughs> and we're, you know, collecting checks from anybody willing to write them. And our, our job was to figure out how to take a shoestring budget and make something happen and get some results. And so we, we kind of loved it. You know, back in those days, that idea of gorilla marketing was sort of a buzzword and we, we loved it. We latched onto it. And, made it work and somehow survived our first few years. So over the years, our, our clients, they, they said, Hey, it's way, way cooler than Sullivan Franco marketing. So <laughs> we've, we've stuck with it. And, and yeah, here we are 14 years later. So <laughs> nice. Excellent. Well, congratulations on the longevity that we don't see that often. All right. It's a very challenging sure. industry that you're in, but let's talk um, content and sharing expertise and, and, yeah. and everybody out there should know you as will vary a little bit from industry to industry. Uh, sure. We also all know there's no shortage of content out there. I mean, anytime you turn around and get hit in the face with something, some of it's good, some of it's not so good. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious from your perspective, 
what is it that makes sharing expertise through content so valuable in the prospecting or sales process? Yeah, well, I think, you know, my, my take on it, we're, we're from the camp that, you know, I, I think it's, it's Blair ends from win without pitching. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with, with Blair and his organization, but he love everything that guy's ever said and published. But I think it was him that said, you know, that, that, that sales is, is not about trying to persuade or convince, but instead to lead or guide to a solution. And, you know, when I look at the types of companies we work with, you know, it's, it's mostly mid-size middle market manufacturers who, for the most part, you know, we, we work with companies who have these complex customized solutions where they're, you know, they're big ticket items. There's a long sales process and a complex buying process with, you know, not only procurement involved, but the C-suite and engineers and plant managers and, and, you know, there are all these people who care about different things and have questions they're trying to get answered and problems they're trying to solve. And, you know, what, what better way to earn trust and attention than to, to do, you know, what Blair describes this idea of guiding and, and leading rather than trying to sell somebody something. Because, you know, what, what we've found from our own experience and, and helping our clients do the same is when you can establish yourself as the expert practitioner and actually be useful and guide the buyer through their buyer's journey, you know, naturally you're going to become the one that, that they're going to come to and, and lean on when it's time to make a buying decision. And so I think, you know, I think there are a lot of great, you know, a lot of really bad, but you know, a good amount of great salespeople out there who understand that concept. What we see happen is that very rarely winds up getting trans, sort of translated into the marketing side. And you see people blasting this megaphone in people's ears and, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, and companies who have a blog, they're talking about, you know, who won the company dodgeball tournament and showing pictures of the dog in the office rather than using their the space to, you know, to teach and to educate and to guide and answer questions. And so I think as a whole, that's, that's our perspective on content is you're, if you're an expert in what you do and there are experts all throughout your company with different specialties, let's lean on, on what they're, they are experts in doing and use that to, you know, sort of infuse your marketing and sales process with, with guidance and helpful information that earns you trust and attention. And, and so let's, you hit on a point there. Let's talk about types of content. So we're talking about an individual's sure. level of expertise, but do you find it more valuable to do straight, hey, this is my expertise or this is stuff from our company or a combination of that and say collaborative or, or, or third-party content that collaborates that? Is the education process better off if it's just from me or if I'm showing that it, that you're not alone in the, in the wilderness, so to speak? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't think there's a canned answer to it. I think it's, it tends to be, you, know, you got to think about your buyer. You know, there are, it, the way we always look at it with our, with our clients, you know, up front is, is we help them sort of, you know, try to create focus on, you know, who, who are the right people we're trying to reach or the, who are the organizations we're trying to reach first who are the buying process influencers inside of those organizations and what do those people care about? And so, you know, a lot of times it's on, on our clients ends when, it, when I look at our clients, customers, you know, they're, they're trying to reach engineers in a lot of cases where it's, you know, people with, with uh, who are seeking technical information, they've got a problem on their, the floor of their plant or whatever, you know, equipment, equipment's reaching end of life, or there's some industry regulation that's coming into play and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And so, you know, in, in a lot of those cases, it's, 
it's the expertise of maybe one of our clients, engineers or technical professionals who have this you know deep knowledge and they they interface with their you know the equivalent on their customers end and and so it's often a lot of times it's their expertise that that we need to lean on and then but there are other people who influence that buying process it's, at some point it you know works its way up toward the C-suite and and a CEO or CFO has to weigh in on the buying decision and maybe that person's less interested in the the complexities and, and details of, of you know, what they're purchasing and they're more interested in, you know, long-term cost of ownership and ROI. And, and so, you know, from that, and that's, from that standpoint, um, it, it may be less specific to the, the expertise of your technical professionals and maybe kind of, you know, a more overarching content strategy that, that makes makes sense to reach that person. Does that, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So then, so then we're talking about also different types of prospects at different times in a buying process. So when not all prospects are created equal, something that I saw in, in your prep materials that I completely agree with. And in yeah. that instance that you described that technical article from, you know, a, a subject matter expert or an engineer, that could be something that lives out there and is if, you know, SEO is done right in search or whatever, it can be referred to by salespeople. It can be found by those individuals, but are there types of content that sales is more valuable to sales? Let's say that they should leverage at different points in a much more targeted way as they work through a prospecting to qualification to, to sales process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the article you referred to was sort of a detailed article I published a couple months ago about sort of a tiered approach to ABM or account-based marketing. And I kind of drew these, these three or four sort of concentric circles where, you know, if you think about SEO and inbound and this idea of sort of casting a wide net and trying to, you know, the, some of the right fish will swim into it and some of the wrong ones will. I think I I think I stole that analogy from um, from the guys at Terminus, um, <laughs> as you know, kind of uh, leaders in the ABM space, and I, I love that analogy. And but anyway, the, you know, the idea there is you're trying to you've got this big total addressable market, and there's content you can produce that is you know maybe it's it's more SEO focused. We're trying to you know get in in front of as much of that total addressable market as possible, and get discovered by people who are out there looking for you know, answers to a variety of questions they have and solving specific problems and achieving specific things. And, you know, sometimes that, that content is, is sort of far reaching. You don't know exactly who it's going to find, but you have an idea for it. But then, you know, as you dial in, in more closely, you know, we're advocates of, you know, building a, a list of those target accounts, whether it's 50 or 100 or even 10. And you're saying these are, you know, these are really the perfect fits. These are the ones that resemble our best, most profitable um, customers that we work with now. And we're going to, you know, maybe we're going to do a sort of a direct marketing campaign to, to them. And we're going to pair that with, and, you know, we're going to deliver the same exceptional, helpful content that we're publishing out there, but we're going to drive direct, you know, send it directly to their inboxes. We're going to pair that with some maybe, uh, you know, paid social that is, is hyper targeted on specific types of people from specific types of companies and then maybe even inside of that group of 50 or 100 people, we're going to say the five, you know, the five companies that we think are, you know, have the most, the highest likelihood to buy from us or, you know, are, are just the most, they're sales qualified, but also appear maybe sales ready and they're showing engagement and some buying intent. You know, we're going to, we're going to create a more customized personal experience for them. And, and in that case, maybe not only are we publishing articles and, 
and longer form videos that we might put on YouTube and things like that. But maybe we're also going to do some very customized content directly to them. And you know, one example of that is that I use personally is you know I'll use Loom.com, you know, simple Chrome plugin that lets me record a custom video with my face, you know, overlaid on a website of a, a company that I might be prospecting, and I'll do a quick audit of a few things on their website that I notice, you know, that may may be helpful to them in their content strategy and just deliver, you know, purely helpful information. Don't ask for anything in return. And that sort of approach has been, you know, super successful for me. We're, we're kind of helping our clients roll that sort of thing out right now for them. So I think that the more you, you have, have to have a group, you get super dialed in on and deliver more custom content that's very specific to them in their role at their type of company, serving the type of customers they've seen and based on the pattern matching you can do with other organizations like them that you've seen. So does that make sense? Yeah. And, and there's a huge difference. I, there's a couple of things that I'd love to dive into. The, the one yeah. thing that, that really resonates with me is, is the providing value without the ask. Right without a without yes, an explicit yes. ask back. Now, for a lot of sales professionals, now this is a key component of of one of the methodologies that we teach, one of the vortex prospecting. But anyway, it's hard for sales reps and BDRs sometimes to wrap their head around this concept because they they want to move fast. They want they yeah. want more. Con- they want you know they're being told you got to hit these ridiculous numbers that came out of nowhere that aren't reverse engineered from any type of of historical data whatsoever. They're just the numbers that we need in order to hit this number. We figure you better go get this. So they're being driven internally, almost at a at a qual or excuse me, a velocity or or quantity type of approach versus the high level quality build the relationship, provide value without the ask, so that it is not as frictionful. Let's say it's not as uh, slammy in the face with a baseball bat, and yeah. it's a it's a very important concept. And I love that example that you gave. You mentioned you mentioned was it Loom.com? Is that you're using? That? Yeah, Loom L O O M dot com. Yep. It's a ten dollar uh, a month app. That's probably one of the best investments I I've ever made. <laughs> I will I will check it out. I'm I uh, I am always I'm a tech freak. So the more the yeah. more more things I can check out, the better. And so, yeah. you know, kind of that example we were just talking about. So BDRs, SDRs, even AEs that are, are told to prospect, they want to do it fast, fast, fast. Is content sharing something that you've seen or can can be used in a campaign to drive quicker results? Or is it really much more effective as something seen as a longer-term strategy in play? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I think it can work both ways. I think generally speaking, you know, I, I think it's, you know, you're in it for the long game when you're thinking about content. And, and, you know, the reason for that is, you know, you're in, in more of a hard hitting prospecting approach, you know, you're, you're trying to book calls, right? It's a volume game. You, you've got, uh, you know, a certain amount of calls you're trying to make every day or week or whatever your the quote is you're trying to meet. And, you know, I understand why there's a pressure to, to be hard hitting and try to book a call and, and probably in, you know, the software world, it's one thing versus my world where, you know, a lot of our, our clients are, again, selling big ticket items where they don't, volume is not as important as, as a few of the, the perfect fit, you know, types of customers hitting. And so I think that, you know, the, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I apologize. It's all good. But I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it as a longer term play, there, there's this concept that, that I'm a big fan of, which is, you know, slow down to speed up. So if you want to 
be effective, you have to take a moment to think about the other person or the content. You could be sending the wrong content to the wrong person. It could do damage to your brand, could create friction. There are a whole bunch of, I don't want to say variables, but let's say risks, risks involved in depending on how you put the, the content out there and who you target with it. I think the longer term play is probably a smarter approach just in business today in general. Although I know, you know, if you're public, Wall Street wants results every quarter. But I think for those of us that are in, especially services businesses, those relationships are what makes the foundation of the company as it grows and scales. And yeah. taking a longer term approach, really targeting your content makes much more sense. Or, or am I missing something? No, you're, you're exactly right. And so, so I think that... Um, you know, when you think about using content as a, a short-term or long-term play. So you know, generally speaking, I think, you know, I, I'm thinking of this from a long-term play. I'm trying to create actual meaningful conversations with people that create value rather than just trying to do it at scale and hit as many people as I can. Because the reality is when you take the, you know, it's kind of the canned approach so that volume is possible, you know, you wind up delivering a generic message most people who are doing that kind of prospecting, it's pretty clear that it's a generic canned message. And so, you know, your your hit rate or your your reply rate is is probably going to be pretty low. And you probably go into it knowing that's going to be the case. And maybe you're okay with that. But when you can, you know, a, when you can go at a, a smaller number of targets and say, all right, well, at least with this group, I'm going to go in and, and look at each one of these companies individually. And, you know, it doesn't mean you need to spend an hour with each, each one. It may mean five to 10 minutes to say, all right, well, let me take a look at this, this company. Let me look at, you know, this individual's LinkedIn profile and see if I can learn something about them. And maybe I can, you know, maybe I can hit on something like just making a common connection. You know, I, when I, when I see somebody from Wisconsin, which is where I grew up, I'll, I will likely drop in and something about, you know, the loss the Packers had the last weekend that, uh, you know, <laughs> was, was as devastating to you as it was to me, but you know, it's in my blood and it's in most the blood of most people from Wisconsin. But, you know, I think if you can do something like that authentically and not force fit it, cause you see people force fitting it a lot of times too, and you can just kind of smell the BS, but you know, something personal, and then by just doing something to create value, you know, for me, it's easy. I can look, I can go look at a website of a company that I'm reaching out to and, and, and very quickly notice some things. And um, so you kind of need to figure out what that is for you. But I, you know, I've, I have just found that the five or 10 minutes it takes to, to personalize that, if I can do, you know, 10 of those in the time that I might have sent 100 more canned emails, it's, it's just, you know, the return on that is just exponentially greater. And, and you know, I, I try to always deliver something of value and make that 90% of it. It's because, because you are who you are, this is something that, that might be interesting to you, whether it's a personalized tip or, or an article that, you know, resembles something that, um, you know, it's, I have a reason to believe they're interested in. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my take on it. And so when you think about content, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stats now on how effective, you know, what's more effective, written word, uh, video, audio. I mean, we're doing just audio on the podcast. We then turn it into a written blog post. Uh, I have a face for radio, so that's why we don't do a lot of video. But when you, <laughs> when you think about the types of content that can be produced, have you seen things be more effective at different stages in the sales process? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So my 
sort of foray into video based prospecting is less than a year old here. And, and I'm, so I'm, I'm still, you know, kind of learning the ropes of it, but what I have found from my limited experience and from the few clients who've been had the guts to give it a try under our guidance, <laughs> um, <laughs> cause it's, it's often the technology hurdle that that's holding them back and, and just a little bit of fear of being on camera. But you know, what I've found is that if you are a charismatic person and you know, you can invest in a couple hundred dollars worth of simple equipment, like a decent webcam that's better than the one that's built into your computer and maybe a little ring light that, you know, so it doesn't look dark and gloomy in your office <laughs> and a, a decent mic or, or even the, the Apple earbuds I've got in my ears right now as I'm talking to you, you know, it's, that can make such a big difference. So I'm becoming more and more of an advocate of showing your face because, you know, here's what happens. You use a tool like Loom, like I mentioned, or, the, you know, there's so many of these, uh, you know, Vidyard has, has their own and right. uh, Wistia makes one called Soapbox. There are all these simple video prospecting tools that, you know, you, you click a button, you record yourself on camera, you copy and paste a link right into your email and, a, and an animated thumbnail shows up with your face on it. And, you know, maybe you do something like the background of their website is right behind you. So all of a sudden they, they make this connection visually before they even read a word, as long as you've, you've written a decent subject line and have gotten you know, them to open the email. But you know, all of a sudden they see something they connect with. They see their website, they see a human being's face. And when they watch that, hopefully one to three minute video, now all of a sudden you've humanized your brand. And I think that's the most important thing. You're, you're no longer this person hiding behind a curtain of words and that look like everybody else who's in their inbox every single day spamming them, you've clearly taken the time to, um, you know, to think about their situation and, and write a personal note or, you know, record a, a personal video there. So I have already found a much higher, I don't have data for you, but a much higher success rate getting a reply. You know, I see data that these videos being watched and again and again. And, and so I think it's a great way to kick it off. Or, or maybe to follow your first email that is a really quick text-based email as, as like, you know, your, your second attempt. So I, I'm a fan of that. I'm seeing it working. And I think the stats out there support that as well. Excellent. So uh, that kind of answers the next question I had, which is, you know, in creation strategies, can you, uh, an example of where it's been successful. And you, you just shared a great one with the video. I love sure. the humanization of the, of the brand. Uh, I believe that the, the human connection is becoming more and more important and more and more difficult to pull off just because of the digital world that we, that we live in. And so yeah. how about yeah. an example, and it doesn't, you don't have to throw yourself under the bus, but an example of one where, <laughs> where you've seen a content approach not work or I've seen it miss the mark. Yeah. Well, I see them all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> I mean, I see, I see them from one of the places I see them the most is, is frankly, when we, we have our first consultation with a company that maybe is, you know, interested in talking about doing business together, because I, I talk to a lot of companies every week who are, you know, trying to figure out how to do um, digital marketing, and especially this, the in the space that I serve, where you're you're dealing with with you know a lot of mid-sized manufacturers who are coming from this, um, you know, this, their third-generation family businesses and might be doing fifty million a year, but they're also operating like it's 1995 in terms of a lot of things they do on the sales front, and maybe they're hardly even doing any marketing. And, and, you know, when, when they think about content, you know, it's like to them, it's, you know, well, we, we know we need to be doing content marketing and, you know, social media and then email. And then really all we're doing is uh, we're trying to do it, but mostly we're just going to trade shows and running these $5,000 a month print ads. And, 
um, and, and stuff that, you know, it's just the way they've always done it. But, um, you know, for, for a lot of these companies, their, their perception of what content marketing is, is what I would describe as brochure marketing. It's, you know, they, they think that, you know, creating a new website with that talks all about all the things they sell and how their customer service is better than the next guy. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, here's what happened at the company picnic. And, you know, all this stuff is, is fine. And, and there's a place for it. And you, you, frankly, you need it. But it's the stuff that's there for people who are at the last leg of their journey. And they're starting to vet you and, and look at you versus your competitors who are also the finalists in their you know, decision making process. And I say this all the time in half the stuff I write and half the time I, I, I talk, but nobody cares who you are or what you do until they believe that you have seen their type of problem before you understand it deeply and you've helped other people like them solve that problem. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of at the core of, of where people fail. They go straight to their content marketing being all about themselves and what they do. And nobody cares. That's the thing. Nobody cares, at least not yet. So uh, that's where I see it fail. And then time and time again, and at some point in my conversations, you know, either the light bulb goes on or it doesn't. And when it doesn't go on and I can't make it go on, it's when I know I, I got to walk the other way. I, you know, I, I'm probably not going to, not going to turn, turn this company and help them do a 180 here. But when it does go on, it's the most rewarding thing. Cause all of a sudden they realize, geez, it's, it's, you know, it's my expertise that I need to be sharing with the world and, and not, you know, not, not all this, this lip service about how amazing our company is because that's not what people want. They care about themselves and how to solve their issues and, and I can help them do that. So I'm going to help them do that. Uh, absolutely. Okay. So we talk about video and, and in the, the humanization aspect. So look at 18 months. So is there, and I'm not hundred percent sure we've reached the apex of the video stuff yet. So maybe it, sure. it could still be better usage of, of, a video, but I have heard or been asked questions about things like uh, virtual reality uh, or augmented reality. Is there something you see in the next 18 months that you're excited about from a content creation standpoint? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, frankly, if I was somebody who was serving the software technology space more than the manufacturing space, I'd probably have have a deeper expertise and, and stronger opinion about <laughs> about that question. But I'm trying to get, you know, companies who are, who are operating like it's 10 or 20 years ago into uh, into the early 2000s at the very least, and then get them where we are now. But, you know, to, to answer your question, though, I think some one thing to keep your eye on, I think, is, is marketing AI. Uh, I think it's there's, you know, we're kind of just just scratching the surface of what's possible there. There's a, a guy named Paul Retzer uh, in, in, I think, Cleveland, who runs an agency called PR 2020. And he is sort of leading the pioneering the way through this marketing AI world. And I'd recommend everybody checks out what he's doing over there. But I think he's, he's got an organization called the AI Institute. He's running a conference on it. And I think it's that it's the it's the you know, the machine learning and, and application of, of artificial intelligence, intelligence to the marketing sphere, and it's finding its way into content marketing. And so I think that that's absolutely something that you're going to hear more and more about and, and an opportunity to kind of get out ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, I think video is like we've talked about, we've kind of beat that one to death. But I, I agree with you, Chad, that there's, there's still, uh, you know, a lot to be explored there. And then the other thing, I think I would say is there's this idea of buyer intent data. And I think, I think there's, there's a lot happening there too. This idea of, of gathering lead intelligence and understanding 
you know, not only who's, who's appearing to be a qualified lead, but which types of organizations are actually showing intent to buy so that you can use that in your sales process to sort of make decisions and, and optimize you know, your, your team's time and, and efforts around the, the more likely prospects to become real customers. I love it. Yeah. The buyer intent data is interesting. Very interesting to me. In fact, um, I mean, a lot of that's pulled off of your search history and, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, you're doing and there's a new product out, uh, came out of Indiegogo uh, called Winston that actually sits between your router and, or your modem and the internet and obscures that data. So I'm going to be, I, wow. um, I'm, I just got one. So I'm going to test it because oh, nice. I'm really curious. I'm really curious to see what, kind of impact it has on what shows up in my feeds and stuff. It, I don't know why the hell I just brought that up, but it's, it's just an interesting. <laughs> I'd interesting love to hear, hear what you learned from it. Yeah. It's yeah, super so, interesting. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. First is simply as a co-founder for an agency that's been around for 14 years, that makes you a prospect for sales professionals. I'm sure you're approached all the time. I am yep. really interested to know if somebody doesn't have a referral in, if somebody doesn't have that trusted reference into you, you know, what is it that works for you to, to capture your you know, curiosity or attention and build the credibility necessary to, to get some time on your calendar? Yeah, great question. And you're right. I get, you know, I get solicited every day, multiple times. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, you know, what stands out, it's, it's a very, I have a very simple answer to that question. It's when somebody has clearly taken the time to personalize the message. It's, it's not, you know, it, I can sniff out the canned emails from a mile away, as I'm sure you can. It's, um, but when somebody actually reaches out to me and delivers something of value, they've commented on, you know, an article I recently published or a podcast I was on and they heard me and, and they, you know, they, they take the time to say, Hey, I, I love this specific insight. And, and, you know, I'm thinking about how to apply that and would love to have a conversation with you. You know, that, that gets me, I, I wrote an article a few, it was just last week. It got published um, about this idea of video prospecting that I've, I've talked about. It was a super in-depth detailed article about, you know, how to do it and the technology to use, et cetera. And, in the article I offered, I said, you know, if, if anybody, if you want just shoot me a, shoot me a, a, a video of you doing this and I'll give you a critique on it. And I got a reply from somebody who did exactly that. And they're, they're a copy of freelance copywriter duo. And they, um, they, they said, you know, they introduced themselves and what they do and they could be of help to us, but they commented on that. They said, this was super helpful. Here's here's a video. Would love a critique on it, and and that caught my attention immediately. Some of it was flattery, of course, but <laughs> but that's kind of what it is, right? They you know they they took the time to look at some something that that was you know mattered to me, and they commented on it and engaged me in a human conversation. And so I, I absolutely booked thirty minutes with them next week to to hear what what they think they could bring to the, to the table for my company. So that, that's how I'd answer that one. Personalize it. Make make yourself authentic and real, as opposed to just you know. BSing people and, and trying to sell them something. I love it. I love it. All right. So last question, uh, we call it our acceleration insight. Do you give one piece of advice to sales, marketing, or professional services people uh, that you believe would help them uh, hit or exceed their targets? What would it be and why? Um, give. Just just be authentic and give. You Use your expertise to teach people, to help guide them through their buying process, to provide resources, and don't worry about whether your competitors are going to see that information and steal it. They're just going to be jealous that they weren't the ones doing it and they're in a captive <laughs> audience. So 
That's it. <laughs> ah, perfect. All right. I love it. So Joe, if a listener's interested in talking more about content creation or they want more information on Gorilla 76, uh, where would you like us to send them? Yeah. So you can email me directly if you want, uh, Joe at gorilla76.com, gorilla like the animal and then 76.com. And then I'd also just encourage you to, to go check out our learning center, gorilla76.com slash learn. We, we publish insights every Tuesday morning at seven o'clock. So um, we'd, we'd love to you know, see you subscribe and, and check out what we have to offer there. Excellent. Well, hey, Joe, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It has been a true pleasure to have you on the show today. It was a pleasure being here, Chad. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with everyone, anyone, everywhere, anywhere. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.